Thank you so much, uh, Jeffrey and Praise Team. And it's always a, a blessing, a privilege to fill in for our pastor and the family where they're gone for a little while. And if you will open or turn on your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look at the first 11 verses there. Now, how many of you in here like to receive good news every now and then? Okay. Anybody over here need a word of encouragement every now and then? Uh, okay. And, and if you say you don't, then you're probably lying. We all like that every now and then. Now, at the same time, uh, you often, sometimes do you feel defeated or frustrated uh, beaten up a little bit, maybe discouraged at fighting some of the same old sins, same old faults over and over again. You don't have to raise your hand on that one. Do you ever feel maybe at times exhausted in the midst of this daily Christian journey? Well, I think we're all there sometimes, every one of us. Well, we can find some good news in this passage, and I think we're going to have, find here a, a, a word that's good news, a word of encouragement, perhaps a word of conviction, but a word that maybe can help us grow a little bit closer to God and allowing Him to work in our lives. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into these first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 1. Father, we thank You that we could be here this morning, that You brought us together that we can praise together, that we can sing together, we can look at your word together. And I ask that you take these, these minutes we have, these words that I'm going to share that uh, come from you, that is your word, that your Holy Spirit would apply it in our lives exactly as needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's look first at, uh, at uh, the first two verses here, just the greetings and the background, get a little bit of context to what's going on right here. Uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Letter being sent out by Paul and Timothy who immediately identify who they are, what their status is, how they see themselves. They are servants. They are slaves of Christ Jesus. We see that all, all the time in Paul's letters. He immediately puts right out there, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is all I'm about. Now notice that they're writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers or the elders or the pastors and deacons. This is a letter to a congregation, to a local church, including its leaders. In other words, Paul and Timothy are saying, look, this doesn't apply just to average, so to speak, irregular Christians. Thank you. It's for everybody. It's for you deacons. It's for you elders. And as we apply it today here at Travis, a congregation in Travis, this word is for you if you're an elder, if you're a deacon, if you're a Bible study teacher, if you're on staff, it applies to every single one of us. Now, remember a little bit about the city of Philippi. Here they are, the Philippians, the city of Philippi. Remember in Acts, Paul crosses over after that Macedonian vision from Asia to Europe. First people that he was, he was able to lead to Christ were the Philippians. Remember Lydia by the river, and then they get arrested. Paul and Silas get arrested, put in jail, and uh, miraculously the Lord frees them from, uh, from the jail in the middle of the night, and that Philippian jailer is going to kill himself because he's going to be held responsible for escaped prisoners. And they tell him, 
don't do anything. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. You're in your household. Well, all these Philippians, there's more and more saved. And so he's writing to this congregation of the Philippians. And these saints, these are, this is a letter to the saints. They're saved. They're united with Christ. They're set apart by God and set apart for God. And Paul offers them, says to them, grace to you and peace. That grace and peace that comes only from God, who is the father of them all, and which only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verses 3 through 6, we'll see the good news that I want to focus on today. And this good news is grounded in the work of God. 3 through 6, I thank God, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. First, note that Paul prays for them regularly. This is something he does all the time. He remembers them, he prays for them, he intercedes with joy for them. And why? Because they're partners, participants, partakers in the gospel from the very beginning. As unbelievers, they received Paul and his team, they heard the gospel, they believed by faith, then they participated in the spread of the gospel. They supported Paul in his ministry, in a sense, they're united with Paul in his ministry, wherever he goes, whatever he does. That is, they're, they're a church of, of faith. They're a church of action. They're a missionary church. And second, notice that Paul is sure of something. He's convinced of something, something that their very participation demonstrates. He says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul emphasizes two things about this good news. God began the work, and God will perfect it or complete that work. One, God is the one who saved them. He justified them. He forgave them. He gave them new life, gave them eternal life. Yes, they responded Certainly, but it was a response to the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They repented, they believed, they were born again. God did the work. God began the work in each one of them. But number two, God will also complete and perfect the work. This congregation of believers has been declared justified and holy. Each believer in that Philippian church is, because of the righteousness of God in Christ, saved, cleansed, forgiven, set apart by God, set apart for God. This is all a fact. It's true. It is a reality. However, in the congregation of the Philippians and each one of us, we're in the midst of that process of sanctification. That is, the Holy Spirit of God is working in us so that in daily actuality we will be what we already are, an eternal and spiritual reality. We're declared saints, and the Holy Spirit is working in us so that we'll be more saintly in our behavior. 
We are declared and really are perfect and complete in Christ. And the Holy Spirit works, it works in us so we'll be more perfect and complete in our daily lives and our actual living. God began the work, and Paul is convinced. He's sure that God will continue the work until Jesus returns. Then salvation will be complete. We'll be like Jesus. We will receive the crowns, the rewards for the good works done in this life, in this body. Works done not for salvation, but as a result because of salvation. That's good news. But how else is it good news for us? Well, when we feel incomplete, when we fall far short of perfection, when we're exhausted from that battle with sin, when we criticize in our heart on ourselves, when we think, oh, we'll just never be good Christians, when we too quickly criticize each other, we can and should remember that God is working in each one of us to conform us to the image of his son and that he'll keep on working in us daily, day by day, moment by moment for the rest of our lives. Therefore, yes, we, we, we do deal with specific sins and faults in our lives, but we rejoice that we are the holy children of God recipients of his grace and peace. Many of us need perhaps to be a little more patient, have a little more grace with ourselves, trusting in the work of the Holy Spirit, us, Holy Spirit in us, who is patiently and steadily doing the work. Some of us just need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack because the Holy Spirit is at work. I'm reminded of a, of, of a young man that I counseled with 30-something years ago, back when I was in the counseling ministry. And uh, he, he came into my office, and he was struggling with, with a, a, a sexual addiction. Uh, he was daily, three or four or five times daily, falling into this sin, and it had become an addiction. And he was a believer, and he knew it was wrong, and he needed to deal with it. So we started the process. Now, the first few weeks, we, we dealt with these issues that Paul always deals with in the first part of his letters, who he was in Christ. If you're a believer, this is who God has, this is who you are in Christ. This is what God has done in your life. This is your new identity. Needed to establish that reality, that truth. And then once he got that straight and clear, we began to put feet to that process and work on real daily, weekly processes where he could renew his mind and make new decisions and take new actions. Well, six, seven, eight weeks went by and he comes into my office one day just beat up and down and criticizing himself, being attacked by Satan really. And he said, well, I failed again. I, I, I just don't know if I could do it. I failed again. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I fell into sin once this week. I said, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You telling me that this week you fell into this sin one time? Yeah. I said, do you remember when you came in? It was three or four or five times a day. I think we've made some progress. I think the Holy Spirit's been at work. 
Satan is attacking your personhood right now, but the Holy Spirit is working in you and dealing with you. And this may be a lifelong, lifelong process, but God began the work and he is working in you. Keep that in mind. His eyes got big. He got, you're right. I had just completely lost perspective. God began the work. The Holy Spirit's going to continue the work until the day of Jesus Christ. Now that's good news. That's good news. But it also means that we may be battling it day by day. Maybe we get it over it a little bit. Maybe we get better at it. We deal with one sin and then the Holy Spirit says, okay, you got that one taken care of. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> but God began the work and he's going to do the work in us until the day of Jesus Christ. But yet this work of God in our lives is a little bit of a double-edged sword. Yes, some of us need to be reminded to be a little more patient with ourselves and, and realize the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, not beat ourselves up so much. But there are some of us also at times, and I put myself in this group, maybe we need to be knocked down a few notches by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm doing great. I got it all under control. I'm not near as bad as Ben is over here. I mean, I, you know, he, he confessed to me the other day all the sins he's dealing with. Thank you, Lord, I'm not as good as that sinner. And the Holy Spirit can knock us down a few notches and say, wait a minute. I'm still working in your life, and I need to uncover some stuff and deal with it. So it's got a little bit of a double-edged sword. Yes, when we're beaten up and beating ourselves up and we're exhausted, the comfort is in knowing that the Holy Spirit is still doing the work in us. But also be assured that if we get a little too proud, he'll knock us down a few notches because he's still working in our lives. And so we deal with the sins in our lives. We also deal, when necessary, with the sins and the faults of others. And there are appropriate biblical processes for that. But we definitely don't jump at the chance to criticize, unfairly judge, condemn each other. Rather, as recipients of the grace and peace of God, we demonstrate peace and grace towards each other. Forgiving, being patient, remembering that God is also at work in the other person. Yes, yeah, sometimes there's discipline and, and sometimes there's consequences. The problem I deal with, and maybe you do too, is your sin's a whole lot more obvious than mine. And, 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 and you know, I, I deserve grace, which is kind of an oxymoron. I'm not sure you do. You ever catch yourself there? <laughs> we need to have grace and patience with each other because the Holy Spirit that's working in me is working in you also. And I think the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. His timing's perfect. He'll deal with you as he needs to deal with you. Well, in verses 7 and 8, we see that this good news is, of this work of God is also expressed relationally. Look at this in 7 and 8. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all, again, there's that word partakers, participants with me of the grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. 
this work of God is expressed relationally. That is the work of God in us. It's an individual work, but it's not an individualistic work without any regard to others. And Paul justifies his feelings towards the Philippians because he has them in his heart. He loves them. He even thinks of them while he's a prisoner. In fact, when he suffers, he thinks of them. And when he stands in defense of the gospel, in a sense, they're with them. They're participating in what he's doing. This relational aspect of God's work in us, this process of sanctification, is this as important to remember? That it, it, it's in community. It, this work is in each one of us, but it always takes place in the context of relationships. Marriage, family, work, school, and certainly in church. We need each other to grow, to mature. We encourage and support each other. And sometimes we correct and admonish each other. The work of God is in us individually and as a congregation. You may have heard it said, and others have said it, there is no such thing as a churchless Christianity. Uh, I've heard people maybe say this, and maybe you've heard some people say it, maybe you've felt this way sometimes, but there are some people out there, and, and, and not that they're not believers, not saved, but, well, you know, all I need is Jesus. It's just Jesus and me. You know, I, I, I don't need that church. I don't need the organized church, the institutional church. Because, and sometimes there's some reasons behind that. I got hurt. I was offended. They rejected me, whatever the case may be. But, but it's just Jesus and me. I really don't need anybody else. That's not biblical. And in one sense, it's impossible. All of the New Testament is written about the church to church leaders or to or relates to church issues. It's all about the church. Church matters for many reasons, including the fact that we need each other for sanctification. And yeah, that's pretty uncomfortable sometimes. It's really uncomfortable. And finally, in verses 9 through 11, we see the, the work of God unpacked a little bit here. It's not everything, but here's a few ideas. And it says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, remember back in, in verse 4, Paul said he's always remembering and praying for the Philippians. Well, what was his prayer? I think it can be said that his prayer for them, explained here a little bit, gives some details of what the work of God in them and in us looks like. Look, he says, he prays that their love may abound more and more uh, with knowledge and with discernment. Now, note that they already have love for each other. Paul just wants it to abound more, that your love may grow, be greater, and that it abound not just in feelings and emotions, and, and those are good, those are important, we like those good feelings and emotions, but it also abounds in knowledge and in discernment. See, Christian love has a, a mental, an intellectual content, a content, or aspect or, uh, to it. We, it. It involves knowing some things. It, it knows and is based on the Word of God. Love is grounded in knowing, 
understanding, experiencing the grace of God, the work of Christ, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And all that is accompanied by knowledge, all discernment, and wisdom in the expression and practice of love. And he prays that this love, accompanied with all discernment, result in approval of what is excellent. In other words, a, a love grounded in the knowledge of the Word. A, 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 a love that is not just feeling, but is grounded in knowing God's Word, accompanied by spiritual and moral discernment, will then choose and practice and do the excellent things, the good things. And you all know this. I mean, sometimes in, in, in life there are situations where we don't have a direct word from the Bible. Uh, who you're going to marry, who you're going to date, who you're, where you're going to live, where you're going to work. We can all think of situations that there's no direct chapter and verse, but we decide based upon knowledge-filled love and discernment that comes from the Word of God. And Paul also prays then that they would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The result of God's work in us, the result of, of, of growth and sanctification is that one day we will find ourselves before Christ uh, pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of the works of righteousness, uh, which themselves only come through Jesus Christ. Based upon his work of justification and forgiveness, we We've lived, we've practiced uh, the most excellent things, and we don't have any fear, any anxiety about meeting Jesus, whether, whether at our own death or whether at his coming. We are his. God began to work in us. He has worked in us. And someday, we, we can look forward now to that day when we can stand before him, and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then finally, note what Paul says. The work of God is in completing each one of us will be for his glory and for his praise. He's working in us, but it's not about us. It's about his glory. It's about his praise. Now, three things to repeat, to remember, to emphasize. This work of God begun by him starts when a person recognizes his or her sinfulness before God, repents of sins, responds to the work of God by faith. That means believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place, that there is nothing you can do to save yourself, that there is nothing you can add to the cross. It means that once you believe and receive Jesus Christ, he comes to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. That is the work that God starts. And so here, here's my question for, for every one of you, and specifically for some of you, has he started it in you? Has God begun that work in you? Not asking if you're a church member, not asking if you come regularly here or some other church member, not asking... What mama said or what the preacher said, I'm asking, has God begun the work in you? Second thing is that, to remember is this work will be completed. It'll be perfected by God through the Holy Spirit. Not that we're passive and do nothing. 
No, we respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We obey the word. He transforms us and we respond and we become more and more like Jesus every day. And he uses every aspect of our lives, good or bad, to conform us to Jesus. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, he says, I'm content with weaknesses with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, I am strong. He's content, and he'll say this many other places, he's content with whatever's going on in him because he knows that God is working in him, transforming him to be more like Jesus. And he can look forward to that day when he meets Jesus. He's content with whatever happens to him. How? How can he do that? Because what God began by grace through faith in him and in us, he will complete by grace through faith in his power in us. So here's my question for each one of us today, for myself especially. <laughs> Can we be content? I struggle with that. And I'm sure many of you do. Maybe things aren't going that great. Maybe you're having to wait. Maybe you've had some failures. Maybe your list of failures are greater than the successes in the world's view. Can we be content with where we are, where he's put us now, with what he's doing in our lives? Because he will and can use every single thing in our lives to transform us to be more like Jesus. And this work, finally, that God will complete will not be finished till the day of Jesus Christ. Whether, again, we see him face to face at his return or at our own death. We know that we have a long way to go sometimes and we, we get discouraged. But remember, we've also come a long way in the Holy Spirit and we're daily growing in the Holy Spirit. Maybe sometimes just a wee little bit. <laughs> Maybe it's three steps forward and a couple back. But let's be encouraged. The work he began in us, he will complete that work. And again, the question here, and I put myself in this one also, can I just rest in that? Can I rest in the fact that he has completed the work in me and that he, is, he began the work in me? He completes salvation. He's going to keep working in me. And he's going to get me where he wants me to be. I struggle with that. And perhaps many of you do. Can I be content? Can I rest in what he's doing? Jeffrey's going to come on up here and we're going to have a time of response as, as the team sings. And he, he, here's the invitation. Here's, here's, here's what you could do to respond there. Maybe one or two or several here. But you can't honestly say... God has begun to work in me. I, I know the Bible. I, 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 I'm a good person. I, I do a lot of good religious things. Or, or maybe on the other hand, man, you think, man, I, you, I've done horrible things. And I, I mean, God, I mean, there's no way he can accept me. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. God can work in each one of us. And he calls each one of us to follow him. And if you've never had that opportunity, if you've never responded to the Holy Spirit's work in you where you've repented of your sins and confessed Christ as Lord and Savior. You can do that this morning. And there'll be some ministers up here. I'll be up here as the team sings. 
you need, you need to know more, you want a, some clarification, just come forward. And then there's probably several of us in here that uh, we just need to back up a little bit and say, Lord, I, I know you're working in me. I, I'm not particularly enjoying it right now. Uh, you know, I don't particularly like it. I don't understand it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest in it. I'm going to be content with it. And boy, I, I, get at the, I, I need to get at the head of that line, you know. Lord, I, I, I need to wait patiently. And some of us just need to thank the Lord for the work he began, the work he's doing. And just rest and be content in what he's doing. So as the team sings, you respond. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, Father God, you began to work in us. And, 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 and through your Holy Spirit, you're continuing that work. And I confess my inability sometimes, my, my, my rebellion, really, my unwillingness to be content and to just rest in what you're doing. And Lord, if there's someone here who needs to allow you to work, to do that work in their lives, to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in them, I ask that they would confess, repent, receive Jesus Christ this morning. And for many of us who just need to confess our disobedience, the fact that we're battling your work, that we too would just confess it, rest in what you have done and what you are doing. In Jesus' name. Now you respond as the Holy Spirit leads.